0: Chapter nine, please. Matthew chapter nine. And Jesus brought us on a little sidestep last time we were together, but he's back to his miracles this morning. We're looking again at Jesus performing the miracles that Matthew had set out uh, to help picture. The fact that Messiah, the promised one to the children of Israel, had come. And that's where we're picking things up again. But I want to pray. And um, I'm hoping that as we were singing the song we just sang, I need the every hour. Um, There's probably uh, not an hour in the day during my entire week that I feel that more than when we get up here. Uh, That... There is nothing as a human being, as somebody who's got a broken brain, <laughs> some more than others, um, can do to teach God's truth. Uh, we share what God's word has said to, with one another and look to the truth of his word, but boy, we need him, don't we? Uh, I need him so that I can put into words what he'd have us to hear this morning. You, you and I need him so that he would convict our hearts exactly where we need it Uh, we need him for every breath for every heartbeat for every blink of the eye we need him and i hope you live every day that uh every day that way there are very a lot there are a lot of people who live for god on a sunday for a couple hours but the rest of the time uh kind of pushed on the back shelf until the next sunday rolls around but uh the reality of i need him every hour There's not a part part of my day that goes by that I don't need God's everything. His providing, His protection, His love, His mercy, His understanding, His his patience. We need Him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. We're going to touch an amazing set of miracles here this morning. uh, And there is no way my simple mind, with our limited language can do justice to what we're going to look at but father that's why we need you lord we need you and your holy spirit who's the teacher he's the one who would bring us into remembrance he was he's the one who you told us would convince and convict father we need you and so father as we're opening up your word and looking at two powerful miracles grouped together that you would help us to understand the The amazing picture that you describe here father it's just power of God over death power of God through the blood so Lord I pray that uh, you would be with my mind help it to share those things that we need to Lord there are some amazing side stories in this passage as well but Lord the big picture is there is no resurrection without first dealing with the issue of blood. And so, Father, I help, just help us to have understanding this morning. Father, I am so thankful that you opened our eyes to your gospel. And, Father, you make available your salvation because of faith. Lord, not that we have amazing faith, but that when we throw our trust wholeheartedly on you, you do what you promised you would. What a joy. So, Father, again, be with us this morning. Be with your word, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're continuing looking at these miracles of Jesus, right? And we, over and over, I'm going to talk about this, and it's very evident, again, this morning, the difference between Matthew and Mark and Luke. They cover the exact same stories but Matthew's job Matthew's focus his goal in presenting the things that he presents is to show the Jews that their messiah had come so there's going to be details here in Matthew that Mark and Luke cover clearly that Matthew doesn't cuz Matthew isn't focused on it's focusing Matthew isn't focusing on anything other than trying to convince that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything that was promised. He is the one that's coming. So it's just interesting, again, to remind ourselves these Gospels have a little bit different of a focus. Okay, Matthew's goal is a little different than Mark and Luke's. And Mark and Luke we're going to look at today because they give us important information about these two miracles we're going to look at. All right. So 8 through 10, we're in chapter 9, right smack in the middle of this. Matthew is choosing those ones that present Jesus as Messiah. Keep going. The miracles themselves we've looked at, the healing of the leper, the centurion's servant, Peter's mother-in-law. He has power over the universe when he calms the sea. He has power over the forces of hell where he delivers the men with demon possession. And then last week, or last time, we looked at the one who was sick of the palsy, and he was born of his four friends, and they opened up the roof and lowered him before Jesus. And even though this man was laying sick in his bed and hadn't walked, Jesus says, your sins be forgiven. That was Jesus' focus. Not his physical problem, but that he had a sin problem that needed to get dealt with. Well, today, we're looking at miracle number seven and miracle number eight. Number seven is the ruler's daughter. So if you're with me in chapter nine, look at verse 18, please. Matthew chapter nine, verse 18. And while he spake these things, unto them, behold, came a certain ruler... And worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hands upon her, and he shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so his did his disciples. So we see a ruler. Now I want you to notice something. Very quickly, we're going to go ahead and look the difference between Mark and Luke. Jesus is presented here with this miracle, and Matthew says, a certain ruler showed up, and Jesus said, okay, let's go heal this young lady. Who is this guy? Well, Mark and Luke help us understand that. Look, keep going. (coughs) Mark says, behold, there cometh the rulers of the synagogue, okay, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, okay, and he saw him and fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter is uh, lying at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she, be, she may be healed, and shall live. And she shall live. Keep going. Look at Luke. Luke 8:41 and 42. Behold, there came a man, Jairus, okay, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and besought that he would come into his house. For he had one daughter about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. So again, Matthew doesn't give us the fellow's name, okay, just says a certain man. Why? Because Matthew's focus is Jesus. Okay, now you look at these, remember Luke and Mark have a different focus. We've seen Luke over and over talk about the relationship with these people to Jesus. Okay, we talked about that with the the two demon-possessed men that Matthew points out, but Mark and Luke only say there's one. Well, it's not because he's wrong. It's just because the one guy is the one who stayed around and wanted to be with Jesus and wanted to continue to learn. Okay, Matthew's focus is always about saying, this is Jesus. So he says, there was just a certain ruler. He's not even going to name him. Okay? The point is, Jesus did this miracle. Okay? You with me so far? I want it to be understood that as we're looking through Matthew, Matthew has a very laser focus here. Okay, He's not interested in all the peripheral information. He just wants to tell you... What Jesus is doing so the scope of the thing is he's got a sick daughter and he needs her healed and if you get the idea here she is at the very point of death there's nothing left here to be done she's basically a dead man walking you know nothing left all right now I <coughs> want you to notice something before we go blasting past this keep going Jesus receives the worship now this is very important those of us who've studied on Wednesday night some of the book of Revelation, some of these other things, when you see angels appear, one of the things angels do not do is they do not receive worship. Okay? The only person, the only being in all of this creation who can ever receive worship is God himself. Now, when you see things like this, don't let this slip past you. Jesus does not rebuke him from worshiping him. Okay, we're in Matthew chapter 4. Look what we already read a couple of weeks back. Then Jesus said unto them, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus already made this clear that you only worship God. Well, when this fellow comes up and starts worshiping him, Jesus doesn't say, Whoa, 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 whoa. You only worship God. He receives the worship because Jesus is God. There are so many people, and I've seen a lot of them come through my feed just recently and uh, my phone that talk about Jesus, he never said he was God. Over and over and over, Jesus proves he's God, he declares he's God, he makes pictures he's God, he shows instances like this, he's God. Okay, when he receives worship without rebuking, you see all the angels talk about it, and they say, oh, don't worship me, you worship God, God alone. When Jesus receives worship, that's another proof of his deity. He is God, okay? So, keep going. Now, right in the midst of this, okay, so Jesus gets up, he's heading to this Jairus' house to heal this 12-year-old girl who's sick unto death, and God throws another miracle right smack in the middle of it. So let's keep going. Back to Matthew chapter 9. So he said, and he followed him in a rose, verse 19, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched him, the hem of his garment. For she saith within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And Jesus turned about, when he saw her, said, daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour and Jesus came into the ruler's house. So again, Matthew very quickly sums up what happened. Here's a woman with an issue of blood. She touched Jesus' garment. Jesus heals her, and we move on with the story. Okay? Why? Because Jesus' Matthew's focus is just to say, Jesus healed this woman. Okay? That's it. Boom. Short and Simple. Let's go to Mark uh, Mark chapter 5. Now, I don't have it written up here, so you're going to have to flip with me. But I want you to go to Mark chapter 5 because I want you to see there's much more to this story. Because Matthew is focusing only on the healing. Mark and Luke give us more information about that. So let us go to Mark chapter 5. And we'll start in verse 21. Oh, excuse me, t- verse 24. And Jesus went with them, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of the physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard Jesus came into uh, the press behind, And touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out from him turned him about in the press and said who touched my clothes And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and she told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole." go in peace and uh, be whole of thy plague and while he yet speak there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house so again mark and luke can read just about the same story in luke mark gives us a whole lot more details doesn't he matthew's like jesus healed this woman mark's like okay let's have some more details here okay and so i wanted to cover that because there's some amazing stuff here that goes on So, we see Jesus presented as Messiah by Matthew, but there's a lot of stuff that's neat that happens here. So, let's keep going. In Leviticus, the Bible tells us that life is in the blood. Okay, that is something very clear. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh atonement for your souls. I want this to be very clear. Um, God created life to have blood for a purpose. Okay? Because blood is absolutely essential to everything that we call salvation and eternal life and a resi- uh, uh, an existence with God in the future. Now, the problem is keep going. Nothing in this world could help her. Now you saw, she went to every physician that was possible. She spent every dime she had. Okay, there was no cure for this problem. The only one who could cure her was Jesus. Now, this is an amazing picture, and I'm hoping we're going to tie it together with the Holy Spirit here. It's pretty cool that there's a problem with an issue of blood, and Jesus is the only one that could fix this. okay. Many people, even Christians today, I see some of the look on your face when we start talking about blood and the fact that there was a bloody sacrifice all over the place. Guys, there how many millions of animals were bled out on the altar as a picture of redemption, as a picture for rolling back sin. From the very beginning, sin was dealt with. Not to be crude, but I'm going to go there just because I want us to see how absolutely encompassed our life is by this issue ladies you have a monthly reminder that blood is important in new life gentlemen there's something called circumcision that god required because shedding of blood was necessary okay in this idea of bringing new life into this world okay blood on the altar blood monthly blood blood everywhere blood Okay and I, we don't like to think about it cuz it's kind of gross but i want us to understand there is not a single part of this that you can remove from our relationship with god okay it is absolutely essential that blood is involved when we get to new life all right that is so important because we're going to be looking here at <clears throat> keep going <clears throat> the big picture we're about to see Jesus resurrect this young woman. She dies, and Jesus gives her the resurrection. But in all three of the recordings of this miracle, you can't get to that resurrection until you see the blood being dealt with. This was no accident that this woman, in the midst of this journey that Jesus was taking, to resurrect this young woman, that all of a sudden, right in the middle of it, God says, I've got to deal with the blood issue first because over and over and over through his word that shedding of blood that blood problem is absolutely essential to you and i having a relationship with god you and i have uh, an eternal relationship if you've accepted jesus christ as your savior if you've realized you're a sinner and you've got a problem just like this woman couldn't fix it only jesus could same with us we've got a problem that only jesus can fix And thank the Lord, because of his shed blood, you and I are promised a resurrection. That's what this whole picture is about. This thing gives me goosebumps. Okay, this wasn't just on some trip that Jesus was in somewhere else that he was bumped into by this woman. He had millions of people bumping into him all the time. He was thronged by crowds continuously. Just so happens on this trip, to go resurrect someone from the dead that this issue of blood is dealt with god doesn't mince words he doesn't play around he knows exactly what he's doing here you cannot get to a resurrection without the blood period okay now it is necessary that is the big picture if there is a theme you want to go away with today that's the theme but there's still some more we want to look at now keep going okay jesus sets the record straight on some superstition You know how much crazy, silly, stupid stuff goes on in the name of religion, in the name of Christianity, in the name of Jesus in this world? Oh, I've got a prayer towel. If I rub my prayer towel on things, I've got oil or water. If I sprinkle it on this, if I sprinkle it on that, Okay, if I just touch this, if I go to rub this statue, if I just go to the church and kneel at this altar, it is never about a physical place. It is never about an action. It is always about faith. This was not about Jesus' garment. This wasn't about the touch. Jesus sets the record straight. He turns around and says, your faith has made you whole. That's the key. Jesus didn't say, oh, anybody else want to touch my garment? There were lots of people touching his garment. Why didn't they all get healed? Because the issue was faith. And there's a lot of people in this world, man, I see it all the time in in reports, and man, you could read it for centuries, that there's a statue of some saint somewhere that people just, you know, throng to because they figure if they could just touch the, rub the toes, that it'll have some sort of supernatural power upon them. Now, let me remind you, there is supernatural power sometimes that works through these situations, but it isn't necessarily supernatural power of God there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this world that isn't God. Remember, Jesus, uh, Paul told us, be careful, try the spirits, because not all of them are from God. So if you're into, you know, you know anybody who does this kind of stuff, I, we had a brother and sister in Christ that we kind of knew, that uh, has a prayer towel. And they pray with this prayer towel. Which is fine, if that helps you to remember, there are some people who still use rosary. Okay, and that's fine because if, if that reminds you to stay focused in prayer, okay. But there's nothing about beads that makes your prayer more powerful. There is nothing about a piece of cloth that makes your prayer more powerful. Here's one that just came out a couple of years ago. It was a movie. There's nothing about a prayer closet that makes your prayer more powerful. Now, it's good if you want a dedicated place that when you go there, you do nothing but pray, because I don't know about you, I could start praying and within three minutes I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. When I'm, you know, Oh, yeah, Joe was supposed to be working. Today. Yeah. If there's stuff that helps you focus and stay concentrated, that's fantastic. But nothing about those physical things give us any extra power with God. So I want to make sure that, you know, that, that we don't get this concept that she just had to touch his cloth and as soon as she reached out to the cloth, she got healed. That was the avenue that God used, but it was all about her faith that brought this healing. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you depending on anything else in your life or a relationship with God other than your faith? Because if you are, I caution you, we don't get any absolutely no Nothing, not a mix. Extra boost from physical things here in this world. You know, I I would have loved to have had that prayer answered, but I guess I didn't ask it while I was on my knees, so it didn't count. It's about faith, period. And Jesus, in all three Gospels, makes it clear. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole not the garment not the touching the faith please remember that is always what it is i am in awe continuously at the benefits that you and i have as believers and it's not because we deserve any of it is because my god makes promises and he always keeps his promise His promise is not based on anything I do. His promise is based on... He promised. Depend on the faith. Believe what he has said and trust him. And he will do what he will do. Now, with that in mind, let's keep going. Virtue went out for him because of her faith. Um, Now, this is an interesting word. Uh, we talk about, I'm not going to read the Greek and Hebrew and write that down this morning, or the Greek at least. Um, the, we talk about add to your faith this and virtue and not the same word. Virtue in that thing is like a moral stand. Okay, This word here, okay, it's the same word we get the word dynamite from. Thunamis, right? Dynamite. Power. Mighty act. Okay, Jesus' power worked in her because of her faith. And Jesus' power worked in me because of my faith. Not that my faith was so great, but if I trust him and believe he's going to do what he says, pow, he does what he says. I love that. Now, you and I, we, we celebrate. I saw the look on your faces a few minutes ago when we were talking about this. Don't raise your hand, because I don't want to embarrass anybody out in public, but how many of you know you're going to heaven? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. I don't want to embarrass you. And that's awesome, isn't it? There's absolutely nothing. When Faith was giving her testimony, she said, other than our salvation, this is one of the greatest moments. Okay, God's dynamite, his power works in you and i because we put our faith in him you know there's so many people in this world millions of them that god is not working his dynamic power in because they just haven't put their faith in him just trust him lay yourself at his feet and he will do amazing things a number one is save our souls but after that, step back and watch. Because there are some other amazing things that we'll just go, never believed it would happen. So the avenue is our faith. Now, please understand, this. don't get this concept, I've got to gin up my faith. The more faith I get, the more access to God. No, because it's never about our efforts. It's about His dynamic power. It's just trusting Him. How many of you have a good relationship with your mom and dad growing up? And when mom and dad told you they were going to do something, made you a promise, they always kept their promise. Most of the time. Parents are pretty good at that. Okay, you told us we would do this. Yep, I sure did. I Didn't tell you when. I mean, uh... And you believe that if your mom and dad said something to you, that that was going to happen. Saw this great video about dads. Again, love, the phones have some Decent things you can see. And it was all about dads coming to the rescue when kids, you know, the kid's about to fall off to the swing, and all of a sudden dad comes out of nowhere, shoom, catches the kid, right? And uh, different stuff. Well, the kid's about to ride his bike, puts the helmet in and, and holding the helmet, and uh, the guy, sa- the dad says, Are you scared? And, he, and uh, scared of falling down. And the little kid says, No, daddy, because you will catch me. And you're like, "Oh." that's how we trust our God are you scared yeah but I know God you're there and you'll catch me because that's the kind of God it's my faith saying I don't know what's going on Lord but I know you do and I'm okay not because my faith is that strong but I know his power and what it can do that's this woman she just comes up says all I got to do do this. She had faith that if she could just get to Jesus, he would take care of her problem. And she was absolutely right. Power went out of him, and he took care of it. All right? God is not waiting for us to work up enough faith. Okay? Then he decides to work. Faith is believing that God said he would do it and just trusting that he'll do it. Hallelujah. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I deserve it? Of course I deserve it. Look at me. No. I believe in going to heaven because God makes promises and I know He's going to keep His promise. So, that act of forgiveness of sin in my life that He did for me is based upon the fact that I know He's going to keep His word. Do I always feel full of faith? <laughs> no. Sometimes you get your weak moments, don't you? But that's why I still love that verse of Ged says, If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. It's his power. We just got to say, I trust you, Lord. Keep going. Back to the daughter. Okay, so in the midst of this, we take a break from going the, to the resurrection of this young daughter to deal with the issue of blood. Now we're back to the daughter, right? Mark. While he yet spake, there came a ruler of the synagogue's house, <coughs> a certain, uh, certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Keep going. Jesus said she sleeps. Now this is a cool part again. We're going to just deal doctrinally with this issue. When Jesus talks about somebody sleeping, he's talking about a believer who has passed away. Okay, we see this over and over in the Word of God. We're going to look at an instance here in a minute. But in Matthew chapter 9, we're just reading, Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making noise. And he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Now, we'll deal with them in a minute, okay? But just want to understand, in this passage, Jesus shows up and the young girl's already dead. Okay, and Jesus says, But wait, she sleeps. Just relax. Just relax. Only believe, he said, right? Okay, keep going. Jesus says death is like sleep for believers. This is not something unheard of, but let's just touch base on it. Okay, John chapter 11, verses uh, 11 through 14. This is uh, Lazarus, one of our favorite stories, right? Um, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and just to clarify, Jesus is thinking, okay? These things said he, after he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Okay, And the disciple said, oh, well, he's been really sick, so then the disciple said, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Okay, When I had uh, COVID just this last week, uh, I think it was Friday, I told Kim, I said, I think I'm going to go upstairs and lay down. It was 6 o'clock in the evening. right? I said, yeah, wake me up at like 9 o'clock, because I don't want to be up at like 3 o'clock in the morning twiddling thumbs, because I went to bed too early. So apparently she came up at like 9 o'clock to wake me up, and I didn't wake up. And I got out of bed 8 o'clock the next morning. So I slept from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. the next morning. Why? Because I was sick. Sleep is good when you're sick. So and the disciples got to get this thing a little twisted. He's like, listen, Lazarus is sick. I know that. Let's go wake him up. And the disciples said, why do you want to wake him up? Lord, he's resting. This is a good thing. Keep going. How be it Jesus spoke, spake of his death. But they thought that he spoke of taking a rest in sleep and Jesus said unto them plainly Lazarus is dead so Jesus uses this phrase for believers who are passed away to say they sleep okay first Thessalonians is a great passage right we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump and the trump shall sound and we that are dead in Christ shall rise you know the passage God says, we will not prevent those who are asleep. Over and over, we understand that a believer in the scripture, when they are passed away and not dead, they say we sleep. Okay, why? Because we're not dead. We're going to talk about that in just one second. Okay, keep going. Death is separation. Not ceasing to exist. Another good doctrinal point, keep your brain on straight. Okay, death is never ceasing to exist. Okay, if you are conceived, you have an eternal existence ahead of you. The issue is, where is your eternal existence going to be? Okay, death is separation. When I die, I separate from this body. Okay, and we just talked about a few minutes ago, this resurrection, this thing about the issue of blood. If you've received forgiveness of sin from God... You get a new body coming someday. But until that happens, I am separated from my body. Okay, it lies here in the grave. I am going to be with the Lord. Waiting for the time, the Bible says, adoption, the redemption of our bodies. That someday, this body is going to be changed into something that looks more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Okay, physical death is separation from your body spiritual death is separation from god if you do not have the cleansing power of the blood of jesus christ in your life to bring about that relationship with god to promise you a resurrection to come you will have eternal death and that is a separation from god physically death is separated from your body spiritual death is separation from god you will still exist but you will be outside of God's presence for the rest of eternity. That is the worst part. But again, understanding when Jesus qualifies death as sleeping for a believer, he's just saying because you never separate from God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Someday I'm going to die and this body's going to go in the grave, but I continue on my journey like Paul said. I get to heaven, I spend time, I'm from this point forward, from the moment I accepted Christ as Savior and he revived my spirit. We're going to see that in a minute. Okay. I have now an eternal relationship where I will never be separated from God again. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And it doesn't matter what happens to me in this life or beyond. I am promised eternal existence with God. Spiritual death is someone who doesn't have that promise. That once this life is over, they don't cease to exist. They just have no potential of being with God. We need to share the gospel. Anyway, keep going. <clears throat> in that culture, now here we go. I told you I'd deal with these couple of folks. Uh, it's, you see it a little bit down south now. Have you ever been uh, to Bourbon Street or watched any stuff that happens in Louisiana? Okay, when somebody has a, a a funeral, they hire mourners and pallbearers and everything, and you ever see them there, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, carrying the casket. You know this whole to do about a burial. Uh, back in the old days in Jewish culture, you hired mourners. Okay, you'd pay, pay people to come to your house and make a ruckus. Okay, singing sad songs and all kinds of stuff, wailing and moping and you know just. The appropriate amount of sorrow, I guess, being offered in this person's behalf. So that's when we talked about Jesus shows up and there's minstrels and all these people making noise. They're just there putting on a big show because woe is us, our daughter's dead. Now, again, I'm not making light of the fact that they're dead, but sometimes it's overblown. And this is what was happening. Okay, they hired a bunch of people just to make a big to do out of this death. Okay, uh, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, They saw the minstrels and the people making noise, and he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they, the hired mourners, laughed him to scorn. Now I'm going to tell you, you go home and read Mark chapter 5, go home and read Luke chapter 8, okay? And there's more details about this. He brings in mom and dad, he brings in only Peter, James, and John to go into the inner house where the young girl was laying. He tells all these mourners and minstrels and a bunch of clowns to get out so that Jesus can do what he's doing. So there's more details there that Matthew doesn't give us, okay, but he brings the mom and dad and in his inner circle, and they go in there, and God does something pretty cool. Next slide. Luke chapter 5, of 8 verse 55, and it says, her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. John chapter 11, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We always go, Jesus raised one from the dead. His name was Lazarus. Jesus raised more than one from the dead. Her name, I don't know what her name is, but he, uh, in Mark, I mean in Luke chapter 8, Jesus actually does a little translation of himself and uses an interesting phrase when he says to her, Arise and walk, or arise and get out of thy bed. Hang on, let me get there for a minute. Luke chapter 8. Didn't write this one down. Oh, it must be the Mark passage. But uh, God actually uses, a writes down a, a foreign phrase. Go ahead. You got it? Go ahead, read it. So Jesus goes in and speaks those words. I, just a side note, here's a commercial for you. People get all wound up about translating the word of God and which translation is better or which translation. Uh, I want to remind you, God knows how to translate his own word. Okay, here, he doesn't just put it in English. He actually decides to tell you what the original language was and then translates it himself. So people say, well, you know, when God translated, you know, the word, we should all read it in Greek and Hebrew. Well, it's good to know that. But you know what? God can translate his own word. He was in charge of translating it as well as writing it. If God can lead people to write it originally, he can also lead people to translate it well. Okay? So (laughs) don't get wound up. God knows how to translate as well as write it in the original language. Anyway, I want you to notice something. Here we go. Back to the big picture. And this is what I want to focus on as we're doing. There's so much packed into these two verses, these two uh, miracles, I mean. But without the issue of blood being handled, We don't get to the resurrection. And so my question is today, uh, I think a lot of us already know this, but you and I have a death debt. Every one of us. For the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us, if you were conceived, you owe your death as payment for your sin. I'm a sinner. I owed a death debt. My blood needed to be shed to pay for my sin. Your blood, your death is required to pay for your sin. Now here's the cool part. This is awesome. There's absolutely no one in this world who can pay for your death debt because they have their own death debt. Because every one of us are sinners. So even if I wanted to sacrifice myself for you, I can't do that because I have my own debt to pay. There is only one person who is capable of paying that death debt, and that is someone who doesn't owe that death debt themselves. Jesus himself came and lived a sinless life. He came without an earthly father, which passes down that physical sin nature jesus was the only one without a death debt that's why he's the only one that can forgive you or me of our death debt. I owe it and here we're talking about this is an amazing thing we're talking about a resurrection but before we get there we see this picture of blood that there must be blood shed their blood has to get dealt with before we can see eternal life before we can see resurrection What an amazing picture so the question is is your death debt been paid mine has not because I'm so awesome but because I believe what God said he made a promise Jesus paid the debt all I got to do is have faith that he did that for me and say God I'm I'm trusting that Jesus said if I if I would receive him as my Savior and take his payment upon my life for sin My sins can be forgiven and I can be made whole again before God. How awesome is that? Now, we started out talking about singing a song because there's a lot of people out in this world who's just never heard the simple gospel. Guys, that's a simple gospel in a nutshell. God loves every one of us, He's not willing that any should perish. He wants all of us, the entire world's population. To go into eternity with him. But the problem is, sin has caused every single one of us to have a death debt. And God can't do that because He can't take sinners into His perfect heaven. So we're out of luck. If it wasn't for the fact that Jesus came to take care of that problem, we just looked at this woman, every doctor, every dime, and nothing would help her. The only one who could cure her was Jesus. So if you know that for sure in your heart, rejoice because the virtue, the power, the dynamite that is in Jesus saved us from our sins. But if you don't fix that today, if you do know that, go tell somebody else about it. Man, if you and I had the ability to, uh, what's the old phrase that my pastor friend used to tell me? is if you knew somebody was given 10 million dollars away just if go and asking. All you got to do is go knock on this guy's door, ask him for 10 million dollars, he'll give it to you. How many people would you tell? I'd be telling everybody I know. Hey, you know that house right there? Just go knock on the door, I'll give you 10 million dollars. But we got something so much better than that. The dynamic power of Jesus Christ himself. If we would just trust him, point people to Jesus and say, "Listen, I'm not sure where your heart is. I'm not sure how you grew up, what you believe. I just know that we all have a sin problem that needs to get fixed. And Jesus is the one who can fix it. Amen, let's pray. Father, I thank you again. Lord, what an amazing passage this is. There's so much here. But Father, the key point, you made sure in all three Gospels, even though all three of them have a slightly different focus, you made sure that This trip to perform a resurrection was interrupted to show that the virtue, the power that came out of you that is available by faith is the only cure that the blood had to get dealt with. And so, Father, I thank you so much for that. And Lord, we're about to share the Lord's Supper together. You tell us to do this in remembrance, Lord, that every time we share this together, we're reminded of your physical death that you didn't deserve. You didn't owe that death debt. But, Lord, your body was destroyed for us. And, Lord, we take the wine as a picture of the blood that from the very beginning of time you had designed to be the picture of the cure for sin. And so, Father, we are so grateful. Maybe someone here this morning doesn't know that for sure. Maybe somebody's listening to the recording of this. Lord, today is the day to understand our death debt as a payment that you provided for us. Sin can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that promised resurrection that we look forward to so much, Lord, is available only through the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ so father thank you help us father as we share this time as a Lord's supper we do this in remembrance lord not only to be grateful for the dynamic power that you work in us but at the same time we do this in remembrance because the whole world needs to understand that this is what they're longing for this is what they truly need father thank you so much be with us time as we share together at the Lord's table. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if I can have.